to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers from faith leaders to academics to artists to explore deep questions of meaning, questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to welcome to our show Rabbi Andy Khan, a Reform rabbi based in Brooklyn, New York, currently working at Congregation Beth Elohim, and the editor of an extraordinary book that's come out, The Sacred Earth, Jewish Perspectives on Our Planet. Rabbi Andy, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, absolutely. And it's an honor to have your book and to be reading it. I guess my first question is, why this book now? You know, there are lots of books on on religion, environment, and so on. So why did you feel this book was so important for now? So right now, we are at a point in my opinion, and, you know, most climate scientists' opinions, that um, we've already actually kind of gone beyond the the point of no return with climate change. It's here, it's happening. And even if we were to, today, cut out all of the major polluters leading to climate change, we would still already have raised the temperature of the planet enough that climate change is here. And so the debate is over. The real question is now for me, and this is the, uh, the question that the book is, is trying to answer, is how do we build a way of being in the world moving forward that accepts this as reality and works towards a future in which the modes and roles of being human that are rooted in, in the ancient world can actually provide us a a foundation for living more peaceably in the world. And so we need this now. We needed it probably a decade ago. And I'm hoping that this book will help move our mainstream Jewish organizations um, towards thinking more coherently and clearly about how we can contribute to that future as a Jewish people. I, I think it's very interesting when you talk about bringing in the modes of being human from the ancient world and what value do they have in our society now facing climate change? But isn't there a reason why those modes of ancient, you know, those modes of being human from the ancient world, why they're not in our society now? Is it possible to even bring them back in, in a society that it seems to be very different to the society of the Talmud from one and a half thousand years ago, or the Mishnah from nearly 2000 years ago, or the Torah from longer can we bring that in? So it's not that we can go back in time and try to, or or even should try to go back in time to recreate the way things once were. But the way that I think about it really is that the reason that these modes of being kind of shifted out of, I think fashion is too light of a term, but, but shifted out of the mainstream um, was because of modernity, right? We got this idea in the West um, about the humanity's role in the world as the pinnacle 
of the world. The mm. world is here for us to dominate, to control, and to make use of um, however we want, without any thought necessary to the rest of the world. And our ancient texts, even going back to the Talmud, as you talked about, um, have, have a completely different understanding of humanity's relationship to the non-human world. Um, one of the most interesting uh, little tidbits from the book is there's a chapter on the fact that um, up until the modern era, there was no word for nature mm. in Hebrew or in the Jewish tradition because there was no sense of a separation in that way. And so I don't think we should throw out the progress um, that we have made or look at modernity as something that we need to completely excise, but it is something that we need to move beyond and perhaps revisit the pieces that modernity decided to leave out um, of our self-understanding in favor of this human-centric, anthropocentric view of our relationship to the wider world. Is, is it really modernity, though? I'm thinking about Nachmanides, about Ramban, his commentary on um, uh, on the opening chapter of Genesis, where uh, we're told to, uh, however you translate it, uh, subdue the earth. And he says this is this is permission to mine the earth and to take anything that you want from the earth because it's ours, essentially. I, I, is it really a modern view? Because that's that's a thousand year old Jewish view. And isn't there a tension in that there are some ancient Jewish texts which are extremely positive ecologically, environmentally, but conversely, there are some which are really damaging and, and have been commented on so for a long time? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not attempting to claim that the our ancient texts are somehow closer to a um, universal truth or a more natural way of being. Um, and I can understand how it, it could have come across that way. What, the, more, the way that I'm um, proposing it is more that um, rather than assuming that these other ways of being that don't comport with modernity mm. um, are um, primitive or something that we should um, ignore as um, ancient and unrefined, I'm hoping to bring back a viewpoint that actually these ancient ancestors that were pre-modern may have had um, connections and wisdom to the non-human and more than human world that um, can provide us with a way forward as we move out of this overarching moment of human domination because we now know without question that um, human domination of the world is uh, is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, at, a at the time of Nachmanides, um, the capacity for humans to mine mm. uh, a mountain or to farm um, was completely different, right? The technology they had and the um, ability they had to subdue the world, so to speak, um, mm -hmm. was so much more limited than what we have now or even had, um, you know, 400 years ago. Um, and so from his point of view, that makes sense because it was a very different right. relationship to the world. But to use that 
viewpoint now when our capacities to harm um, all living beings on the planet um, have gotten so powerful um, is, is, is kind of a, a mismatch of ideology, I'd say. No, I really appreciate that, the idea of um, bringing in the wisdom from the past, but also understanding that any passages from the past are written at a time of different power. I think is, I think that's a really important, I really appreciate that answer. So, I mean, I, I'm enjoying this book as I'm reading it. What do you see as, as unique about this book? So I think that um, a lot, especially um, in the past... 30 years, a lot of books about the relationship between the environment and any religion, um, let alone Judaism, have been primarily focused on a um, more activist viewpoint. Mm, mm. Um, wh what does it mean to put our values into action around making, let's say, political or, or material change? Um, and certainly there are a couple chapters that are focused on that in this book. Sure. Um, but my goal was to more provide a um, new guidepost for ways to think about being Jewish in general um, that include these more um, nature-based or um, earth-based forms of understanding humanity's relationship to the world writ large mm. and to include theologies that um, help us understand what it means for the world to not just be a, um, a, a, a finished product that God created and left alone for us to do with what we will, but instead um, a reflection of, godliness itself and a a an indwelling place for mm. god um mm. in the world for us to be able to still learn from and i think that's fascinating the in terms of that there are five basic sections of the book theology jewish texts encountering the divine sacred time and contemporary responses and i think starting it with mm -hmm. theology for me, makes a very important statement about the way that we look at the world therefore affects the way that we act in the world. And I, I love the way that you're talking about indwelling. Um, in the past, we've often in the Jewish community obviously had this indwelling in the tabernacle, but now this much more um, contemporary theology of God indwelling in the world as opposed to mm -hmm. sitting on a cloud looking down almost. Um, I, I think it's it's really fascinating, actually. We, and it's not just contemporary, you know. It comes from Isaiah, Mlokol Haaretz Kavodo. Um, the, the whole world is filled with God's glory. And, and Kavodo, or glory, uh, his, God's glory, um, doesn't just mean like like the idea of um, the world recognizing God's power. Mm. But in, in ancient Israelite thought, God's kavod was like a, a literal presence of God. Mm. So um, this does go all the way back to the, uh, the Hebrew Bible.
I, I appreciate that correction very much, actually, I do. We have to take a break, um, uh, but as we come back, we're going to talk more about this fascinating text. So you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Rabbi Andy Khan, uh, editor of The Sacred Earth, Jewish Perspectives on Our Planet. And we'll be back after this break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Rabbi Andy Khan, a reform rabbi based in Brooklyn, New York, uh, working at Congregation Beth Elohim and the editor of The Sacred Earth, Jewish Perspectives on Our Planet. And before the break, um, we were talking about, and Rabbi Andy was talking about the importance of this book now and, and what's unique about it. And I guess the my next question is about where are we going with this so so what kind of conversation as you're writing this book and as you're talking about as you've shared with us you're talking about hoping to change the conversation what kind of conversation are you hoping that it generates so one of the key factors at the, in the founding of the reform movement of Judaism um was a deep commitment to the Enlightenment and modernity mm-hmm. um, and uh, the kind of modern project of the that, you know, saw its its first largest expression in the Industrial Revolution and then has continued going forward with humanity's focus being on how we can proliferate ourselves and control our environment to um, meet our desires uh, however we we see fit. And the reform movement was really um, committed to, to that viewpoint as to um, what it meant to be Jewish in the world through this viewpoint of enlightenment and modern progress. And I'm hoping that um, releasing this through CCR Press, which is the uh, primary press arm of the reform movement, that um, this will lead the uh, rabbis and, and other thinkers in our movement to reconsider um, those foundational elements of reformed Jewish self-understanding mm-hmm. um, that are also all pervasive throughout, uh, you know, um, America as well and, and other parts of the West and other parts of the non-West. Right. Um, but to, to begin a shift um, intellectually and spiritually to accept that um, this way of being in the world just isn't working. Um, and it's causing far more harm than good at this point. And that perhaps by connecting with and articulating a form of the divine and the sacred, which calls to us to be a participant within the entirety of the unfolding of the world with to view the the world itself not as humanity versus nature but an integral and an integrated form of life of which we as humans play one part um i'm hoping that these essays can spur that thought and can spread that thought enough to actually affect the way that we tangibly live in the world uh, perhaps just through the reform community, but perhaps even beyond. Uh, I, and I think this is 
This is really important because thought coming before deed, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and having this, this mission of yours to shift the Jewish community into something more sustainable, but it's, it's more than just sustainability, isn't it? It's a, a, it's a way of rethinking our relationship with the world. Would that be a, a fair mm-hmm. way to put it? Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's a, it's a deep Jewish belief that, you know, study leads to action. Um, and if we are to take action uh, without first having a strong grounding in where we're trying to go, then it's a very, um, very high likelihood that that action we take will be coming from the same place uh, that led to the problems in the first place, right? right? So we need to readjust. Um, perhaps uh, another word for it is do tshuva. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to return to a, um, a different mode of being in the world before we can even take proper action um, to address the, the changes we're living through. How do you hope this, how, how does this, this book that you've helped bring together so many differing Jewish authors, how does it reflect you? How does it reflect your understanding of Judaism in your life? I love that question. Thank you very much. Um, So one thing to know about this book um, is that it is uh, a book in a series from CCR Press called the Challenge and Change Series. Um, And the other books in this series have primarily been um, reform rabbis uh, collected into an anthology. The authors in this book come from a much wider range of backgrounds, um, academics, renewal um, leaders, conservative, even orthodox leaders, yep. um, because to me, this is a, um, a moment of unification in the Jewish world is needed. Um, it, it made sense that um, we had all of our different factions and all of our, um, our, our different modes of uh, of being Jewish in the world um, over the course of the past uh, 100 or, or 200 years as we invented <laughs> these mm-hmm. denominations. Um, but at this point, we need to come back together in something akin to a modern Yavna. Um, Yavna being the, the moment after the destruction of the Second Temple when the, the remnants of the leadership um, came together around 70 CE after the center of the Jewish world had been destroyed to try to figure out what the next, the next move was. How did Jews continue being Jews in a world where the center was destroyed? Um, and, and to a certain degree, uh, my, my concern right now is that um, th- this isn't only true for the Jewish world. This is true for uh, where we stand in the world right now in general um, with climate uh, crises, appearing all over the world on a consistent basis Mm. with the rise of less tolerant and, um, you know, seemingly more fascistic uh, governments all over the world. Um, Our tradition has made it through so many different moments of crisis in the Jewish world and in the world or at large. It's time for us to, to be thinking more creatively together about how to address the moment that we're in as um, you know, as I see it, modernity is, is, is coming to 
a close in a not so peaceful way. Mm. And as we've, we've witnessed other empires rise and fall over and over again and have a great deal of wisdom to bring to that. And this is one offering in that regard, um, especially with relation to um, our planet. Um, and so I, I hope that it sets a, a precedent for greater working together within the wider Jewish world to answer these major, major problems um, that humanity is facing worldwide. I, and, and I think I, I mean, it was definitely something that I noticed in the book, the wide variety of authors. I, I'm a little more skeptical than you. you I, I'm loving your optimism and positive attitude here. Um, and I'm trying to learn from it and in, engage with it. My, my difficulty is that it's easy for authors from across the Jewish community to submit a chapter that happens to be put together in a book. But when it comes to actual action, action together, that's a different matter. And that comes partly from my experience in the UK when I was a rabbi in the UK, and we tried a massive cross-communal endeavor. And bear in mind, the Jewish community in the UK is smaller than the Jewish community in New York. Um, but we tried, we tried a, 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 I, I tried to run a national Jewish in, in action plan, basically, environmental action plan. And um, when I met with some leaders, let's say, um, particularly one leader, that, that person wanted me from one particular group, that person wanted to know, had I read this person's uh, articles on this? Had I listened to their radio show on this? And, and I said, no, I haven't. But are you going to commit to doing this? Are we going to commit to doing a cross-communal Jewish endeavor? Are actually Jews not just putting a chapter in a book, but actually doing things together? And the answer was no. Sure. And, and so, so help me with my skepticism here. What's, what's the next step, I guess? What's the next part? Yeah. Well, now you've drawn the, some authors from many differing Jewish movements together in one book. But anyone can read a book. Anyone can write a book. I say that having taken 13 years, I still haven't finished mine. What, what's the next step? How do you get it to transform into action? Especially, especially in a um, cross-communal context. Or is that not your so, job? Um, I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> that has also been my experience trying to actually do uh, cross-communal action within the Jewish world uh, for so many v different reasons. Um, but the, the reason I think that um, this functions differently, is, and especially when it comes to issues of climate change, is that um, by compiling all of these ideas and making them readily accessible, um, people can do with them what they will, mm -hmm. but it gives them an inroad into a wider variety of Jewish ideas to act from. So to get like a little bit more tangible, because I think that's what you're asking me mm -hmm. for. Um, so climate change affects every place differently, right? That's one of the hardest things about it. And I think that's one of the reasons that, um, you still have climate skeptics right. because people expect it to be this one universal thing that you can point to and say, this is what climate change is. But depending upon where you are in the world, it's going to look different. Um, and to me, having this book of options of ways to look at what it means to be Jewish in this time of climate change and ways to enact ritual or even, um, activism in your place 
um, is very important because the um, it, it's kind of a, a worn out saying now. But the think globally, act locally piece is really, really important as we head into this um, era of continuing climate chaos. And um, what I hope this book does is give people ways to do that, to think globally, to think and beyond globally, to think theologically about their place in the world and then give them some frames. Um, there's this one really wonderful essay uh, by Rabbi Dean Shapiro um, uh, called Beta Teed, which means mm -hmm. House of the Future, mm -hmm. where he suggests that synagogues need to not just be places of gathering, places of prayer, and places of study, but, but places of um, visioning for the future of the community that that synagogue is located within writ large. Um, and synagogues can play that role beyond the Jewish world in their communities, especially as com local community resources are going to be significantly, significantly more important um, as climate chaos continues to unfold. So that's one example of how I hope that might work, is that by providing many different ways to think um, globally or theologically, and then many different ways to act locally, um, that can bridge the gap for people who otherwise may ignore such a book. I really, really appreciate that answer. Let me, with, we have 60 seconds left. Let me ask you one more question, which is what's next? What, after this extraordinary project in 60 seconds, what would you like to focus on next? Um, I mentioned this a little bit before, but one of the things that I'm most passionate about and would really like to think more about and hopefully write about is um, how to draw out the um, still extremely useful and incredibly brilliant work of our uh, modern thinkers like Abraham Geiger and Kaufman Kohler, who are two of the major movers in early reform Judaism, and to distill from them um, wisdom that can be used in this shift towards whatever comes after modernity, mm. um, while being able to sift out the pieces that maybe reflect some of the uh, less useful or more damaging aspects of modernity as a way of thinking um, towards a future of reform and, and progressive Judaism that is more mindful of um, the world around us and that uh, is able to include both these um, these beautiful gems of wisdom from our modern thinkers and to not exclude pre-modern thought that um, can help us leading into a postmodern future. It sounds fascinating, really fascinating. I look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for creating this extraordinary book. Thank you for having me and thank you for reading it. It's, it's an honor. So thank you to Rabbi Andy Kahn, Reform Rabbi and editor of The Sacred Earth, Jewish Perspectives on Our Planet, for coming on to our show. I genuinely hope that you might be able to return another time, share more of your thoughts as we explore this book and maybe the one to come as well. I'd love to. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again, in two weeks' time, keep searching.